and 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 those fuckers need to convince us we're a good cross-section of uh, right great Welcome back to I Missed America. Thank you for joining us again on uh, our little podcast that we're throwing out. Uh, we're hoping that you're going to be our eighth listener to uh, start steadily uh, following us at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so we're obviously in the early, early stages of our uh, podcast, but we really do appreciate you uh, coming and listening and support us. Uh, first of all, my name is Ryan and my co-host here is John. And uh, Say hello. Uh, hello. And by the way, Ryan, eight is a perfect number in numerology. So if we get to that eight, I think we're going to be on easy street. You know, and I look forward to the days we can start talking about conspiracies. We can start talking about UFO stuff. We can start talking about numerologies. We can start talking about cloud seeding, a.k.a. What is it? The I don't know, whatever. The, oh, all those, yeah, yeah. What do they call that? Chemtrails. Chemtrails. Or contrails. So it's like the one conspiracy I don't believe in chemtrails. But... <laughs> So uh, we have Theo Devaney back here today. Um, if you heard our last episode, we had a nice discussion about uh, all the recent changes in the Supreme Court that affects you. And every one of you are listening. It affects us here. And uh, we were able to talk a little, a lot about uh, the Roe versus Wade overturning. We, we, we uh, talked a little about guns, which is a, a great subject of mine. And I just want to thank Theo for uh, coming again. And he's probably going to be a regular here on, you know, on our show uh, coming in. So uh, say hello, Theo. Hello, Theo. <laughs> great to be here. Sorry, that's the lamest gag ever. But no, it's great to be here. Thank you, guys. And Theo, I want to pick up on something, I think, uh, amplify your point from the beginning of our last episode when we talked about social cohesion. In my opinion, what you have to do one thing for this country, and maybe other countries it's different, is it used to have a big middle. And I'd say that the middle is shrinking. Even though we could say from an electorate, you know, there's lots of undecided or swing voters, that kind of thing. But culturally, perhaps, there's a missing middle. It's a silent middle. And there's a lot of, you know, barking dogs on both sides of, you know, left or right or whatever. So I would like to focus this episode a lot on how, what are some ways, practical or aspirational, to increase or bring back the middle mm. of this country. Appreciation for other. I mean, you pointed out, I think, in the last episode, some things like kindness and, and you know, um, hospitality to strangers, which I really like. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, and the people I know, do they hold those values? Mm. They should hold those values. But how do we get back to that? So that's really where I'd like to go. I mean, any place to start with that? Well, I'm, just because you speak so eloquently and articulately and, and you speak with an emotion that inspires certain thoughts in me, so you're a wonderful person to listen to. The thing that, I, just speaking from my own experience, uh, you know, I, I get drawn into social media, you know. Um, I'm not famous, but I have some niche notoriety that keeps me coming back to Twitter. And I truly believe Twitter is both an excellent agent for information sharing and raising awareness of things that otherwise you might not have access to. Right now I'm plugged into various spaces live discussing the Ukraine war, for example. But I also think it's, it's an incredibly corrosive and toxic platform. And I think that it has a tendency, just from my own experience, I will see someone say something, someone I don't know. They could be real, they could be a bot. It triggers me, I will honestly say, it triggers something primal in me, not something, and, and I will react emotionally to that person with my own tweet. And more often than not, I don't send the tweet. I look at it and then I realize I don't really think that. I don't think that. I would not, that's not my complete opinion. <laughs> this is my triggered amphibian brain response to something that upsets me. The thing that this person might have said might be true and irrefutable, and a realistic assessment of the world we live in, because we live in a brutal world where perfection is rarely encountered. But for some reason, my core self wants to live in a better world than I really believe that I live in. So when someone tells me the world is like this, I go, no, it's not. And then I realize, no, but it, it is, you know. This person's actually saying something that I normally would agree with if this person were having a conversation with me face to face. I would say, do you know what? I can see you're a three, you know, you're a fully rounded human being and you're not just saying this to wind me up and you're not just saying this to upset me or be negative or make my child, you know, 
scared to grow up in this world. You're saying it to me because it's maybe a true, your true feelings. I don't have to be triggered by it and then react with my worst self, you know? And a lot of quite coherent media people that I think some of the best, most effective media people are able to see beyond that echo chamber politics that seems to push us more and more to ideological positions that are not reflective of how we as individuals actually live our lives. There are so many, like, performative ideologues online. And I think the internet, that rampant availability of misinformation and information in equal measure, and our tendency to be plugged into half-baked thoughts and susceptible to these, all of these, this, this, you know, flotsam and jetsam that's just flying around in the ether, I think that's made us sensitive much too sensitive. No, I, I, I agree. I think it's permeated in a lot of areas. It's like, whether it's true or not, you know, people that go into Congress seemingly to want to be a television personality, to follow a very short news cycle, to drum up likes, drum up amplification for what? Maybe there's a money thing. At some point, obviously, there's got to be something with money. I don't know how to combat that in a way that's, that, first of all, that Ryan would agree with from his libertarian standpoint without, you know, having standards which may seem like censorship or, you know, we can't have decorum when it's anonymous. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. You know, I, I think that these tools, maybe there's another way of having a, compa- I don't know, this might sound like, you know, woo-woo, but like a, a compassionate platform where somehow you're rewarded or you get a bigger platform by righteous action. Then, of course, who's righteous or not becomes the question, I guess. But I think it is corrosive. I, I, the only reason I use any social media would be for my day job. That's the only reason. I mean, yeah, sure, I'm on Facebook. I have the accounts in those places, but I don't really look at it. But I see that for certain people, it's really valuable. Um, I don't know how to combat that piece. But I would love to see, you know, and I think a lot of people that are in the middle don't actually participate in that. Mm. I think there's people that drop out of that kind of stuff. Either they become polarized or they just drop out of that because they don't want to have any part to do with those things that are, you know, confirmation bias things, echo chamber things. Mm. But how to combat that? I don't know. How to, well, uh, you know, I think that, uh, well, okay, let's look at Twitter, right? And uh, Elon Musk, who's making an attempt, uh, what is it, a $400 billion attempt or whatever to oh, buy? $45 billion. Yeah, it's, 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 it's 40, 45 or something 400, like 45 or 48. Yeah, 45? Like oh, whatever. Yeah. Regardless, uh, his intent to buy this was to uh, try and bring back some equality, I think, uh, into into the messaging, right? I mean, we have a guy who was banned because every time, every at 4 a.m. while he was taking a shit in the White House, he was tweeting out just random barrages <laughs> and shit. But I guarantee you people were waking up, rolling over, and the first thing they were doing was looking at and see what did that guy say on Twitter, yeah. you know? And, and, and he's been banned. And is that good? I talk to, I talk to friends about that and I, I say, you know, that's bullshit. Like everybody should have an equal voice. Well, it's a private, privately held company. And so therefore, you know, they can choose and you know, who they want to do. Okay. All right. So, well, they can go and start their own thing and, you know, people can do it. Okay. But like, if I was to make an argument to like the Supreme court, Okay. I would say to myself that there is a, uh, there's just a barrier to entry, you know, regardless of the fact that it's a publicly traded uh, point, there is a barrier to, to entry and it's, it's so easy for somebody to get banned on there. And so that's, you know, this should be a, 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 a protect, you know, a constitutionally protected first amendment, right? But I, I do, I do, I get the, I get the fact. I understand that it's, the utility when it gets to be a certain size. It's like it should be utility. utility. But yeah, think of it you. this way, yeah. which is not the law thing. It's like right. if they were at home and everyone could see what they're doing in writing, and they, they're they're writing, and their their parents are there, which whatever, is what everybody's yeah. doing right you now. You know, like Trump didn't have. Look, Trump had shitty parents, as far as I'm concerned. Everything yeah. I know, he had no guidance. He's, you know, yeah. I, I I don't know if he's a horrible person. You know, whatever. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. Not the, the, a leader, you know, lowest common denominator, rabble rouser, you know, mob, mob, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, besides the moral thing, what's the thing that will bring us back? Well, and, yeah. and I love that you, that we, how you give a nice character uh, reference for, for Trump, because I love to talk about, and I think I referenced this with you before, 
was uh, 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 Hustler versus uh, what the hell is his name? Larry Flint. Yeah, yeah, and they made yeah. a movie. People yeah, versus yeah. Larry Flint. I mean, the guy was a total piece of shit. I mean, he knew he was a piece of shit. But the one thing that he did that was so amazing was that he established that speech, no matter whether or not you agree with it, should be protected. And I think that people have forgotten that today. Mm-hmm. And, and just because the people think that Trump or people might think that whatever Pelosi is saying is that, that, that they're abhorrent, they're an absolute piece of shit, and they should be deplatformed or whatever. I mean, I think that this is a fundamental right that despite what you're saying, unless you're in the crowded theater saying fire and there's no fire, that it should be constitutionally protected. And regardless of, well, then we get into this weird, this weird tricky argument about, you know, private, privately held things. But the fact is it is sort of a utility now, especially Twitter, especially Facebook, you know, for the but big, for I, the big two. I think two. that's a good point. You know, I like you come back to the constitutional thing. And say, I'm a constitutionalist. <laughs> what um, can I say? Which is great. But, um, and there's nothing more American than the constitution as I keep being reminded. But uh, <laughs> just to, for, to support what you're saying, John, is that like, the first thing that came to my head when I when you said, "Well, what brings people together?" From, I'm an actor, right? I'm going to talk about my own experience. Please. Um, when I, I I moved back from North America, I lived in Vancouver, Canada for a couple uh, th- three years or so, and then I moved back to the UK, and uh, I was very agnostic. I, I wasn't feeling very political because I think partly because I was just so wrapped up in the the challenges of my own life. I was, you know, my career was kind of going all over the place. I was uprooting myself again. I was about 30-ish. Um, so it was a bit of a transitional phase. And I start, I took up golf, right? And I love golf for its own, just for golf, golf, just the playing of the game. I love it. But it's a, it's full of conservative people. Like most of the people that play golf in Britain are conservative. I don't know if that's even a thing in America. But and I, I took pride in the fact that having been a, a proper artsy lefty for my whole life, I was hanging out with all these like really very conservative golfers in London who had a completely different point of view on reality to me. Um, we've got this, we've got a sound thing. We just yeah, I wonder if the it. fan is going we're, we're, we're actually recording from the deck of the USS Nimitz right now. <laughs> Let me go see if I can fix it. Okay, anyway, so I'll just talk over it. Um, but I, th- I think it works as a kind of a sandbox notion that, that like, perhaps if we can become passionate about things other than the culture war, right? compassionate about things other than our ideological positions and come together with other people through mutual shared interests again rather than rather than seeking meaning through adversarial politics it's like why do we need to be what i was talking to someone about activism this idea of i'm quite uncomfortable with you know i have a two-year-old as you know he's nearly two and he's a he's a he's a mixed race boy. My wife is British Indian, so I'm British white, mostly European. But he's going to grow up as a young man of color, right? That's not an he's experience. He's a fine looking I, boy too, by the way. He's a really fine, nice. He kid. is much better looking than me. Um, not difficult, but no, he's a lovely lad, very tall. Um, but he's uh, he's going to have experiences of race and things that that I've never I never had to deal with. Um, but I was, I'm wary of having, of trying to be, or being made to feel that I need to invest in him this activism impulse. And at the moment, it's very fashionable to say, well, if you're not an activist, then you're part of the problem. But I don't think everyone needs to be an activist. I think we can all be awakened people without being necessarily activist. Because to me, and I'm not saying that activists are bad, I think it's great. And I think people who have a bit of activism in them are wonderful forces for good and positive change. But I don't approach my relationships through an activist lens. I don't look at the people who are important to me in my life and think I need to change you into something better than you are. Do you know what I mean? Um, And I feel like that sense of toleration is a really mature and noble uh, perspective. And And that's not to say, as you've heard, me and Ryan can argue and I can get quite angry. With some love of the things it. Ryan says, but I still like Ryan a lot. You know what I mean? I still love him. I'm not going. I'm going to be able to go out and you know hang out with him. And I feel like this is something that's somewhat missing from the discourse: is the saying that you know good people can disagree on things. I love the toleration thing. I, I love the idea that somehow, I, and, and maybe this was a necessary thing that 
from the previous president where it seemed like when he came out, everyone wasn't, anyone who was a closet racist, they came right out. They did. Anyone who was a, you know, I don't like you or I'm against this, they felt like emboldened to say anything they wanted. And maybe that had to be like a boil to the mm. surface to get healed or something like right. that. Right, yeah. But I do think there's a missing, which supposedly is in all the major religions that a lot of people claim to be, that there's not a lot of tolerance because that's the main thing is like, you know, how can we get along? How can we build community together? That's in, you know, mm. in meshing us as part of a community. Because honestly, a lot of these things, I have to say, if we really take a step back, maybe for a lot of people, Roe versus Wade is huge. Mm-hmm. Fine. But a lot of these things are just not that important day, to, day by day. No. They're just really they, not. They don't affect well, I think yeah. we're in, in a phase. And again, we're in dicey territory. You know, I'm passionate about Roe v. Wade. I think mm-hmm. we all have quite a passionate position about it. And it's not simple. If you say it's, it's simple, not. you're stupid or you're lying. It's not simple. No. Uh, it's like the trans debate. It's not simple. Um, the most intelligent uh, you know, um, scholars on these subjects tell you how... I know some, and they tell you how complicated it is and how you know, you've got to be very careful. Um, and, I, and I think that people are in a habit these days of choosing to get and I know this is kind of not a new thing but you know choosing to participate in conversations that maybe don't really affect them directly but they they take an, emo- an emotional position and then they invest heavily in that emotional position now I'm not saying Roe v Wade is not something worthy of that I as you know I, I do think that it's worthy of that but um, I, I do think that not everyone's people are picking fights on subjects in which they have very little knowledge and personal experience and they they and when we do that we do devalue other people's experience it's almost like we arm ourselves with this well we're going to denigrate my enemy so that they're less fearsome to me less intimidating well i'm going to imagine that john is less aware less experienced than me because it's convenient and you see it all the time online people making assumptions about other people in order to denigrate their argument and then being completely wrong <laughs> and then right. all these tweets get deleted because this person just they expose their own simplicity of thinking and they make themselves look stupid because, you know, you don't know what someone's experienced. You know? Yeah, some of those things go back to Twitter for a little bit. It's like, I, I mean, I know there might be a constitutional argument against it or whatever. It's like, I feel like everyone should be like, almost like you should have a verified identity Here's your picture. Who's exactly you I, are? I agree. I and then let's I see how much of a coward Musk you are too. with all these positions, and eliminate the bots and all that stuff as best yeah. as can be done. Yeah. But it's like it's this is anonymity. It's like I think that social media and nuclear weapons make cowards of everyone. Mm. And it's like it, it, huh. it makes cowards of people. Yeah. You've you've done a bit of Shakespeare paraphrasing there, and maybe that's that why very cool. I like that. That's why Ukraine is so powerful right now because they have what neither. Well, they have got a platform right now, but they're, they're, at least they're getting some platform. Uh, but that's, yeah, I, that's I, a can I, of worms right there. See, yeah. I, I was not, or I had a Facebook for a long time, and then it came down to like me and like two people. One uh, who is extremely right, who I want to bring on as a guest. He's a really good friend friend of mine. Um, and, uh, the one who's like, you know, far left of you, Mm. like far, you know, and we would get in these debates, but then, and and he, but he was like you, he would debate and not, it wouldn't break down to insults. And and that's the hardest part about debating is finding someone who, who, uh, can actually hold their own without being like, well, you're racist. For thinking, but that. it's not that and hard here. Yeah, no. It's, I mean, I don't think you know. It's like when and that's you have something it like this, none an of encounter us do. a community. Mm. It's right. not that hard to say, I'm seething in, or I completely disagree. Right. But I'm going to maintain decorum. Mm. Right. And, and he was like, he was not like that either. And but uh, like, it was just so bad. I, I just thought, oh my god, this is. I, I I love this man. He's a he's a lifelong friend. I don't want to destroy my relationship with him. I'm just I'm not going to post on Facebook anymore. And then I'd see his post, and I'm just like. Bleh! Delete. I have to delete my Facebook. So I deleted my Facebook because, like, yeah. I love the guy too much, and I just, like, I disagree with him. Fundamentally, <laughs> I, disagree I with him on so many things. I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone that hasn't had that experience. Where they've, they've just, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've fundamentally clashed with someone on Facebook, and one of them's had to delete it, or they've deleted just, each other as friends. You win. And then they phoned each other up and gone, <laughs> you know? "Look, so maybe we should have like a beer or like a cup oh, wait, of tea." And, and, and oh just, my like, god, he would, he would email me like, "Yeah, I'm so sorry about that." You know, my <laughs> wife, she's just like pointed out, like, you know, how much we've been together. I mean, we've traveled the world. Together together him and I his name is Chris and I love you Chris if you're hearing me right now but uh you know I, I we disagree that's just how it is 
you know, I'm this well, crazy I, it's libertarian. Really because He's crazy you and I have been having some you know? conversations recently, and 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 because well, there is this, we have shared interests. We've, uh-huh. We're enjoying martial arts together. Yes, we are. Yeah. As consenting males, <laughs> in in full view of my wife, by the way. I love how you so said that's, that's we all, do a little that's fun all it is. Stuff, that's all yeah. it is. But we ended up in like a one hour long conversation, and. I start to see Ryan. She's jealous of me, huh? That's she what it said, is. She said nothing. I'm not saying anything. Especially when I'm doing no like way. a full mount on you. No, no, she adores. <laughs> she loves watching it, actually. She said it was really hot watching oh, two great. guys that's wrestle great. outside. You got to take that home in bed with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's enjoying the new abs I have. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Um, yeah. But, you know, I started to see Ryan as this kind of Rubik's Cube where I'm like, okay, well, if I push him there, he goes there. And now if yeah. I pull him there, he might go there. And. You know, it's much more interesting than just talking to somebody who I agree with on everything or that I feel I need to agree with. You know, it's almost like this is another odd phenomenon psychologically is that you can get more upset with somebody who you think you agree with everything on and then you find where you don't agree. And it... it, then you guys really pissed. annoying, angry. <laughs> you know, whereas somebody who you dare have you. <laughs> so many things that you don't agree on, you can kind of go, well, this is great because this is refreshing. Well, I don't you know, expect you. You know the terrain then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't expect you. And also we're not going to moralize. We're not going to be competitively moralizing or grandstanding or virtue signaling because we're trying to like one-up each other. And God knows. I mean, we know that that happens all the time. But I just, I love what you were talking about power as we were talking about this as, as being like a power thing. I mean, Trump thing is a power thing, right? Like he was able through his genius for human affair and human interaction, his genius communicator, he was able to manipulate, he's a very calculating person, able to manipulate that platform to his own ends, which was, and he's he still did doing it masterfully. It, people still doing it today. Yeah, and people Every underestimate his, his political instincts that are oh, supreme in my opinion. Right. Um, and you can only be that good if you're pretty much amoral. I don't think... A thinking, feeling, sen- sort of sensitive human, compassionate human is able to yeah. be that that calculating and deliberate in what they do. I think he's a, he's a piece of work in that way, but very gifted. Um, Elon Musk's point of view, I think, is a good one, and I do think, and I, even though, you know, gosh, it's just so sad how the kind of you know the the, the like you say the somewhat kind of this establishment, this kind of online policing establishment, is like painting him as all these things. Yeah, he may have other moral shortcomings, but the, I think his position on Twitter is quite a good one. I think it should be equal. I think you're right. We should be able to see and hear all of these things. And I think that Trump had the impact he had, and I don't think another Trump could have that impact again in the same way. Do you so know what I mean? Are, I you, think, are you paying Trump a compliment that he actually had, that he actually pointed out a flaw in our system as it was? And uh, because of that, maybe, maybe it's forcing a change that we might need. Well, you can, you can have loads of things that are, you can, you can have some of the ugliest things ever have been necessary. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can talk about like the nuclear bombs on Hiroshima, Hiroshima and yeah. Nagasaki. Absolutely. And say that the ugliest things ever the inflicted war. on humankind. I mean, well, the Holocaust, no, you'd never say, you would never say the Holocaust Right, was of course, but again. There's the- nothing necessary about the Holocaust. Let's just draw no. a line there. Um, but there's a moral argument about the ending of World War II and how many more people would have died if America had had to go into Japan and right. stage a land war in Japan. Many more people would have died because of the way the Japanese had yeah. had the posture they had taken it, of like never say die. Ten, I mean, ten Hiroshima's instead. You could have had millions of dead. Yeah. Um, and they inflicted millions of dead on the Chinese. Um, so there's that argument. Um, so yeah, in a way, I've I've never thought that Trump didn't have a couple of good points to make. Mm-hmm. I just think it was a, a shame that they were made in such a in in in, in such an ugly way. I suppose because he I don't again we could talk about January the sixth and how like power layers of different power bases and different things just sort of simmered up to the surface. Um, here's a suggestion for you: um, the middle voted for Trump the first time round. There was a lot of people in the middle of America who voted for Trump, whether it was affluent, relatively liberal people who knew he'd be good for their business and finances, or whether it was people who were working class, just had enough and were sick of Democrats. Or a lot of people that, that hated Hillary Clinton. Or there a lot of people that hated Hillary Clinton. Yeah. You know, um, that's another I, for one. one, I was disappointed in Hillary Clinton. Right. Because she didn't divorce her her cheating, lying husband. <laughs> Literally, that's I. I don't like you, her. You feel I don't have respect for her because you she wanted did. her to visit 
moral punishment on him because you voted for him Fuck. twice. Yes, and she, you wanted her to take revenge on him I on your for, behalf. I, I voted for I voted for Bill Clinton when I was when I was younger. Yes, and 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 you know I wasn't necessarily at the time upset that he was getting blowjobs and whatnot in the in the White House. I thought, yeah, good for him. But the fact is, is like. Uh, I, I think that if I would have done that, like any woman in their right mind would have divorced my ass. So to me, it's like she was holding on to him like a tree, you know, to get, in, you know, in a position of power. When in actuality, I don't think she realized like just how powerful of a woman she was or is today. Mm. And she doesn't. And yeah, she still stand by my man. The guy went to goddamn Epstein Island. He ain't been arrested yet. He should be arrested. You should be arrested, Bill Clinton. But the fact is, is she she didn't. Do anything to I, me. That's I, I, more. I understand, repugnant. and I. But I think to try and maybe tie that point into the general. But Trump is that. Well, Trump no, but this pays is the for thing sex. About Trump is Trump is not. Trump like, is not careful. No. One of the big arguments that people on the left and problems that people on the left have with the Democrats is that they're way too careful to get anything done. Yeah. And one thing you can't say about Trump is that he's he's careful. He's no, careful. God no. He's I'm a, tired he's a of fucking bull in a china shop. You know what like, I mean? It's like you're the reason. I think part of the reason people feel they have to be activists, you know, in all these stupid, pointless places like Twitter. You're not really an activist just by retweeting something. You know what I mean? It doesn't really. No, you're not. You know, and because you're not really. You're taking a position. You're not necessarily changing. Change, well, maybe you are changing people's that's, minds, but that's another story. I think you're not really an activist doing that. But I think the idea of of these kind of extremely you know, I don't think that the society benefits when you have people competing to see how moderate they can be. I think we benefit when people actually get up there and say what needs to be said well, and understand that they're not going to please everyone when they do that. And that was why Trump was refreshing. Well, sometimes that's people. called leading. Well, that's exactly I mean, right. that's what <laughs> leading Leaders is. Have to it's, be. Not, it's not to say that that's disenfranchising a big middle and that it's an edge thing. It's actually, it's fire. It's what needs to be said. And it still brings people together. It's like after, I mean, I get that the, the speech was edited after Charlottesville. I understand that Trump may have said other things. I don't know. But there were chances for him to be a uniter and a leader right. without selling out his base, without like yeah. being thought of as he's weak by his base. <laughs> that never happened. And I want that. I want somebody who's strong and can bring people together. Hey, who, is, who is the last president who did that? And I think we've talked Reagan? about Reagan? No, we talked about this on, on, on our first show. And the last time that there was a united body, a united body politic and united population, and that was the day after 9-11. I mean, there, was a, a, there was a grand united. They were, they were mm. united in a cause of revenge. I'm not saying it was like, a good way of uniting, but that well, was the well, last was, time. It was channeled into revenge because I mean, you had such an inadequate leadership. It, it guaranteed George yeah. Bush Jr.'s like second election. You know, yeah. uh, you know, he was his reelection. I mean, Sadly. he almost went into the, the direction of his father, who was a one-term president. You know, so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a shame, isn't it? It's almost like an accident of history that they no, were the least. Yes, what's the shame? Sort of, yeah, right. the worst people that could have had all of that power and goodwill focused on them so but they channeled it in the most disgusting and base way didn't they they did but the, the fact is is that we were united you know we were united america yes united states of america at that point um and we were behind a rallying cause it, it's just so i mean i'm not going to get into the nuances of how, how screwed up it was as to why we were united but uh you know we've talked about civil war being Either either we're going to be united or we're going to be killing each other in a matter of years. Mm. And and so, you know, is that because nobody's talking about it? Are they talking about it on the street level? Probably not. You know, they're not having these kind of discussions too much, you know, at the street level. But should they? Yeah, they should. I think we need to roll back. I mean, I again, who, I, I, I'm saying this because I care. I, I feel it passionately, not because I'm an authority on how it's supposed to happen or whether it even should. Yeah. But I do think we need to see a generation or two grow up with some psychological armor against social media and the internet. I think people need to understand the difference between, like you said, yeah. the real relationships in which you're invested in your life and this kind of sort of self-indulgent sort of chatter that goes on <laughs> that's kind of I'm, I'm happy my daughter's eight and not 15 right. yeah. 18 yeah. right yeah. now yeah so I hope that I don't know if it will change I mean I I, I generally am not believing in the myth of progress in general you know yeah. a, a post-Kantian view or whatever I mean it's yeah. not 
so I think that we it is unless there's strong leadership and strong values and strong things that unite, you will sink into lowest common denominator. This is that it's natural almost in a way to, for this stuff to happen. Yeah. We've been lucky since the whatever 40s or 30s to have been fairly united, I guess, as a country. Yeah, that's a great point. The myth of progress. I, I I'm a big fan of the philosopher John Gray, a British philosopher John N. Gray, not the um, not the guy who wrote. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That's a different guy. <laughs> Next clarification. Uh, yeah, John John Gray, um, John N. Gray is the, is this British philosopher, and he he wrote an amazing book called Straw Dogs. I urge everyone to to read that. It's magnificent. Um, and yes, you know we're we're myth making beings, and you know, but one thing he concedes, which I think is a really good point, is science does progress. You know, and sometimes science causes a change in the culture that enables us to retain some progress and discard others. And I think the the massive overabundance of information is one of those things that's never going away now. You know, you look at the war in Ukraine, like it's the most covered war ever. I mean, every it's it's the open source intelligence availability now is so extreme compared even to what was available in Iraq. You know, like it's very hard for for Russia to control the narrative outside of Russia in a way that... You could thank Elon Musk for that too. He helped, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he gave all those Starlink, uh, Starlink satellites and repositioned his satellites overhead, and they can't, Russians just can't hack the encryption. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. And, and so, so I think there are things like that which enable us to come together as people as, 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 and, and have some coherence in our policy making with Ukraine. Yeah. We cannot say this is unknowable. And it's funny because I have that conversation with my dad. You know, my dad is like, you don't understand, son. This is all, how do you know? How do you know any of this? And he's very cynical. And I'm like, that's sad that you think that the truth is fundamentally unknowable. And I mean, I love my dad. He's an incredibly sensitive, insightful, intelligent man. He's an engineer's brain and the heart of a poet. But it saddens me that he should put the walls up and say, you know, you don't know what the Russians are really doing. You don't know what's going on. I'm like, but the internet, <laughs> there is open source intelligence platforms that are like peer reviewed by all these different militaries and all these different experts. And, you only have to go on there and see this aggregated information and the truth becomes pretty clear. You know, you don't have to believe that it's impossible because where do you go? You're like Hamlet, you know? Mm. Nothing's knowable, nothing's doable. I might as well just yep. give up, you know? <laughs> and it's like, but that's not it, you know? And I'm and like you, I, I don't believe in the myth of progress, but I do believe in the myth of Sisyphus. I do believe we are all individually fighting against meaninglessness. And if you want to live a happy life, you've got to find a way to fight back against the ridiculousness of everything. You can't yep. just say, it's all unknowable, um, let's give up. Like, what are you going to do then? Play Call of Duty in your underwear and lose all your friends and family? Like, is that going to take us forward? No. It, when I traveled to Cuba, I went to Cuba, and I was reading The True Believer. Uh, it just reminded me of what it was. I mean, in, in Cuba, it's like you're on a small island, you don't have a lot of opportunity. And so you're just sort of roaming, you know, you have nowhere to go, you're not in a hurry, you know. But then you look at, you you contrast with that with the United States and, you know, we're constantly in a hurry, we're constantly doing something. We're constantly filling our heads. We're, you know, on our phones, doing the social media. And, uh, you know, I agree. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm glad that my son is eight. And, but I look at my stepdaughter who is like 18, you know, and she's, she's you know, she's not a wreck, but like she's, She's got a lot going on, mm. you know, and I remember being 18, had a lot going on, you know, and so I have to like take that in perspective and, and see it for what it is and, and know that every generation is going to go through their own thing and they're going to believe that, oh, well, you're, you're never every teen. You don't know what I went through, right? You know, and our children are going to grow up and then they're going to go through the same something. Mm. And, and I agree. I'm, I'm actually really happy as to how old he is versus what's going on because I don't know if I'm mentally prepared right now to be dealing with my son being 18 at this point, you know, well, just to, to help guide him through this chaotic world that we got going on. Yeah. You wonder which, which of these generations, like, like when are they going to have the armor in their mind where they're going to be exposed to it? Enough, well, you know, it's up to, to us to, to inoculate. To, what what I do like, that. which we can't know right now, this is something we can't know. It's, it, it's almost like these are, these generational changes are Gordian knot things. It's like, we don't know how to solve this. How's it going to work out? And then the, a generation just sort of clips the knot above the, the bind. And <laughs> yeah. hey, it's free and for a certain yeah. aspect. Yeah. And I, we maybe can't know that. But I do like the idea of 
you know, what you said about you know, believing the myth of progress, but everyone has their own struggle mm. and everyone has to make meaning. Mm. And what's, what's your myth? What's the, what's your guiding thing that's going to mm. help you to do that? So maybe it's a reinvigoration of myths mm. that actually is what this country needs and the yeah. right kind of storytellers that look, there's going to be some, just like we said in the last episode, there's going to be some bias mm-hmm. with Supreme court judges or whatever, but hopefully it's a honest you know, that there's, this is a considered person or considered people that help reinvigorate the culture. I think it's, it's, it's at a low right now. Mm. I think it's at a real low right now. Um, I'm 54, so I'm, I think I'm the oldest one here, but yeah, I think it's at a real low and I would like to see Mm. spirit come back. People that, you know, it's like the idea of like, was it, I forget the expression about people that talk about people things or ideas. Oh, I yeah. want idea people. Yeah. I don't want, idea people, I mean, yeah. how yeah. do we get back to that? Well, I, I have to say, I think I'm in a really privileged position because I'm an outsider and I've come in and, you know, I've consumed a lot. I, I've been very curious about America for a very long time before I even had a chance to live here. And I was watching a film, which is one of my favorite films. Hardly anyone knows what it is. It's called Scorchers. I'm full of recommendations today. Scorchers. <laughs> it's full of stars. James L. Jones, Denham Elliott's in it. Um, uh, Faye Dunaway it's got some amazing stars in it it's, it's a, it's a theatre play put on a film and it's set in the Bayou Latesh in Louisiana right amongst this Cajun community and it's about three women who are going through different this life transformation transitions it's on Amazon I think something you can anyway no free ads but anyway um, well worth a watch this is a very isolated Catholic Cajun community, you know, derived from an Acadian bunch of migrants who moved down from the northeast coast of the American continent, right? These pe- this people's lifestyle, their community, all of their b- values, beliefs, they live in a swamp. They have all this, you know, it's full of magic and weird stories and incredible, like you're saying, myths and superstitions and, and social mores. And I just, it intoxicates me. I went to New, New Orleans a few years ago for the first time, couldn't, found it difficult to leave. It completely captivated me. And I think Americans need to have the curiosity about their own country reawakened. Rather than having this, this preaching sense of, oh, I know what it is to be an American. Now I'm going to go out and tell everyone else how they ought, what Americanism is. Well, have a bit of curiosity and understand the sheer magnitude and diversity of stories that there are in your own country. Travel through it. Yes. Don't just be, don't be so squeamish. Go out there and actually get on the ground floor and see how rough some places are and how different they are, how, how, how beautiful some places are, how distinctive. There are places like that. Like how awful you, some places are. How, how tragic some places you, you, are. You have to see the tragedy to understand mm. and appreciate just you know, where you are in your position. Well, maybe that's the problem is that <clears throat> there's a lot of isolation mm. in this country. In politics, I mean, these people can't possibly like... And, and Matt gets in a... Lorraine Bobbitt and Marjorie. Mm. T- they Lorraine, probably, Lorraine Bobbitt isn't that? Is it Lorraine Bobbitt? Is that, oh, oh, that's Bobbitt. Oh, 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 I'm thinking of that's that's uh, John Bobbitt. That's, yeah. that's oh, the guy that's who, who sliced that guy's sliced the guy's penis off. Right? It's a different. <laughs> one. That's a different. Bobbitt. That's a different one. But like, they, it's like these people interact in some way. That's like that's not a human. It's like this, yeah. you know, vitriol and slogans and, well, and it's isolating. But it's it's not, it's not well, that's why we can't. We can't. We can't. Uh, uh, what heroize these these people? Mm. Like even as much as like you know the left loves Ocasio Cortez. I mean, she's I consider her the Trump of the left. I mean, you cannot you you can't just like okay. I'll go back to where she was even you know, before she was famous. She was a, <laughs> so she was a that's bartender. A good quote. That's that's quote of the day. Ocasio <laughs> Cortez is the Trump of the left. She is. Does she is she a penis grabbing? Um, you know, is she the kind of is she that person? Well, there's some pictures out there, but like <laughs> <laughs> she had her bartender days. You know, and oh, I, you probably know. Hey, I'm, if you're I'm a just kidding. Clearly, no, I'm, no, you're I'm, a repute. Apparently. I'm kidding. Great, I'm uh, kidding. But the fact yeah. is, is like. Is is she's the the she's this thing on display, you know, right. and and you know, uh, this is like a, a bas- basketball player that you're saying, oh, you know, be like LeBron James, be like Ocasio Cortez. There's mm. there, I guarantee you, there's people you got to be like Donald Trump, you know. So uh, we should not be putting these people up on pedestals, mm. even if 
they are making this these these changes. They are creating these laws. They are managing our budget. They are doing social change or whatnot. We we still have to we have to teach our children to define the difference. Yeah. Um, that these are public and, servants. and LeBron yeah. James. These I'm not, sorry. These are not celebrities. Like these are public you, servants. and you should also do the same thing with LeBron James. Like the guy's you know hundred got a hundred million dollars per year or whatever. I'm sorry, son, but like you're probably not going to make a hundred million dollars a year and play for the Knicks or whatever. I'm sorry, I don't know basketball at all. <laughs> but <laughs> you like to add a zero onto things I've noticed. The yeah, billions yeah. for yeah, Elon. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Hyperbole. Yeah. Yeah. A, he, he makes a trillion dollars a year and he works for the Buffalo uh, Jaguars. Wings. <laughs> I, the wings. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. The but, tennis club. <laughs> no, you make a good point though. Just to bring it back, just to tie this beautiful big knot back up into somewhere <laughs> that sounds coherent. Um, this thing of power though, right? Is that that's one thing Which that we in Britain love to do is cut down people that set themselves above everyone. We love to just pull them down. And you know Whereas what? Americans just love to just I just well because we idolize. want a king. Hey, hey, right. We want and a you king. Can There's king envy, that. and you yeah, can yeah. thank Larry yeah, Flynn for that because he made that constitutionally protected. That you can go out there and you can just talk shit and and make fun of these idols all you want, and you won't be held uh, accountable. Well, free speech uh, is obviously an fiscally accountable British yeah. cultural. Thing as well. I mean, we, we don't we don't go around limiting what people can say and do. Right, but I think most people, like if you were just walking up to somebody in the street, they wouldn't know that you can't do that. And like, you couldn't go to China and do that. You couldn't go to Russia and do no. that. You can't go to yeah. Russia and say fuck Putin and then spit on the sidewalk and then not go to a gulag for the next twenty years. <laughs> Probably I mean, not. You That's can't true. do that at all. But we can go yeah. fuck you, Putin, right here. And I don't expect some Svetna to come over and shoot me in the back of the head. Yeah. Please, please, please don't. <laughs> There's a guy with an FSB shirt on outside. No. <laughs> Mr. Grau, did you come and threaten Putin? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. We're going to have yeah, one. Next right. episode is a Russian. But know, I'm also, I'm also a, a Second Amendment guy, so fucking but, you brilliant. Know, my, my, my hometown in Britain, Salisbury, was the site of an actual Russian Yes. The chemical guy, poisoning. Yeah, it was nuclear. Radiological. radiological. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Novichok, dude. Yeah. No, I, it was a woman hard, who that. it was a woman who gave, gave him that, right? I believe. Anyways, getting off track. Yeah. Anyway, women. I I believe women make the best spies, and I think Russia has figured that out. <laughs> that sounds. Women make the best spies. Well, there's a whole podcast on that. <laughs> what he's saying there, it's especially especially <laughs> ones who are like morally flexible. Women make the best spies, and flexible, morally flexible women make the best spies. <laughs> I think it's because people are probably, there's not a lot of trust for white men out there right now. Um, probably with some Yes, I, I realize that every day I try to apply for a job. Although, have you seen the latest James Bond movie? Yeah, I, I'm going to watch yeah. it. I, I almost watched it last night. It's all, yeah. right. It's all right. You don't have to don't have to. soften this the is not a, don't don't have to recommend this one? Just say Should we tell him the ending? It. No, no. <laughs> He's just trying to make me feel better. He's like, no, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm going to. He's just <laughs> trying to protect my feelings. Like, yeah. do, do watch it, though. It is good. But the, is the, good. there's a girl in it uh, who's absolutely amazing. She's only in it for one scene. Um, Are you talking about the CIA band? girl? The CIA girl. Who beats a shit. She's amazing. I can't remember her name. She's she should be actor. like. She's a Hispanic girl. She's yeah. absolutely amazing. She and married she, Ben Affleck for a while or something. Not only like is she awesome, but she has a sense of humor. And she's, and gonna, she's those, the next Marilyn the, Monroe. Pardon me? She's playing Marilyn, Marilyn she Monroe. She is, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, she's yeah. beautiful and she's she can kick ass. extremely talented actor. Oh my God. To yeah. be funny while kicking ass. I mean, that's the need that we need that. So who do you think should be the next Bond? Wow, that is a really good question. I like. I think that could bring people together. So I'm going to think about this for a second. Yeah, uh, Eldris El- Elba. Yeah, yes, that's. I, I think so fan. too. I was just yeah, I that. Agree. I think would be perfect. The yeah. dude has. He he's is got amazing. That almost Sean Connery level of. Charisma. He's sexy he as fuck. He's so sexy. You'd believe he could win pretty much every fight. But he does so much. I mean, I mean, I know acting for film is your but eyes. He's, he's I know I get old, that, though. but it's like he's got he's so a, much there. He is a bit old now. Like I think if if I think. Because uh, Dan- Daniel there. Craig really didn't want to do the last Bond, two Bond films. And I think that's when he would have shined. I know. And, and why did they miss that opportunity? What were they thinking? They just kept throwing money at him. And he just I didn't know. want to do it. You know? they, could have, they could have ended on Skyfall. It would have been magnificent. Skyfall they was a magnificent movie. I it was beautiful. Was but... Um, anyway. We could do an entire show about movies. <laughs> I think all three of us are buffs. They, they will bring people together. Let's, so. let's, let's, let's come back and let's just... You know, I, I think we're kind of, hmm. in a way, I think we are kind of talking about things that bring us together. It's like, oh hey, my God, movies do bring right? us together. That, yeah. that is bringing, that is, I mean, the community yeah. thing, you brought up the community thing earlier. It's like, 
uh, and, and there's this power thing. There's politicians. We could talk about lots of different things. And, and there's no, this is not like, okay, what are we going to have a working group after this and we're actually going to explore it? No, we're just, you know, talking around this topic. I, I think the idea of how to build communities, I like the idea of, you know, understanding America, like the myth of America. It's like, I, I would like every American to read a Faulkner book. Mm. It's like, I would like every American to read some Hemingway, some mm. Steinbeck, yeah. you know, that, that are yeah. American kind of Well, that's authors. the thing. I have to say, you know, Tom Joad, Grapes of Wrath, that was like a major hero of mine. I was like, you know, read it as a teen. I was just like, wow, these people migrating across this huge continent and their fellow Americans, fellow citizens, just treating them like, like animals. Yeah. And how they're scratching away, but like still maintaining the family, still trying to maintain the, the cycles of a normal life, you know, against all odds. It's just, it's powerful stories i mean america has some incredibly educational narratives in its history and and here's one thing i'll just say is that i am i'm I'm well to the left you know probably of a lot a lot of people who might be listening to this but i really hope that people can look at history and take positive lessons from it and see it for what it is and think about this idea that we've got to use it to move forward and take lessons, educational lessons for the better, rather than seeing history as something that needs to be corrected. You can't correct. You know, imagine being Jewish, looking at the Holocaust and thinking, I need to correct that. You can't correct it. Oh, and we should never forget it. You cannot heal it. You cannot correct it. It happened. You need to take the best you can take from it, which is understanding how bestial people can be to one another, all people, you know? So, and, yeah. and maybe if not to correct it, maybe there is, like you said, there's no way to correct it, but we can approach correction by never letting it happen again. Mm. And, and uh, yeah. my fear is it'll happen. You know, that there's a, there's that possibility with Russia, what's going on with all their bullshit right now, mm. but is we never let it happen again. And so we should not erase it. And, yeah, and, yeah. and that's why, like, I, this is a big discussion. We're not going to jump into it now, but like, I, I don't like how we're systematically trying to erase history just because we disagree with it. I think that whether or not we disagree with it, we need to, it needs to remain. And mm. we need to, we need to understand why this happened so that we can point to that and you say, you see that man, he's not a hero. Mm. You know, that we need to. I agree. We or there, there's that man. That's, there's here's yeah. his whole history. We need to it's change like, it. He did yeah. some things here, but yeah. then he also says, "I don't." I think he the did some great is, things, but he also was a slave owner, and this is why slavery is bad, mm. and we need to talk about that. And then, because like, how do how do I go to how do I approach my son? Because he's asking about Ukraine mm. right now. Mm. What about Russia? Are they going to hurt us? Like, no, you know. But there, Vietnam started out the same way, mm. and look what happened. The chances of us getting pulled in are really high. And and history does tend to repeat itself. And and the danger is that if you don't integrate real history, true history, into your conception of the world, the conception of your own nation, the conception of your own history, your people, the human race, when things happen outside of what you think is possible or correct, you don't know how to deal with it. You're not equipped. No. I mean, this is why people are morally baffled by that Ukraine-Russia thing. They were so... Russia was just this funny bogeyman to use in the domestic culture war. And there are some people in America that don't want to let go of that because it's Mm. handy for domestic politics. It's so handy. But the reality is that this is is operating on a completely different moral... a completely different scale, moral scale, than most of what America has had to deal with, or, or Britain, or any of us in the West, for a long time, a generation. This is a real a real moral challenge. And anyway, I, I think it's I think you're right. I think if you erase your past or in my words correct it, if you try to say no, we're just going to we're going to squash this and then we're going to re you know, we're going to sort, sort of remunerate everyone. We're going to give everyone things and make them feel better. It's it's like it's completely negative. It's 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 contemplating your navel. Like it's not going to move people forward doing that, but you must educate people about the truth of your history there we go well on that note and thank you i i, I love this discussion i think we should have a a part two to this one yeah. and i think we've got uh, open up some really great threads so i just want to thank theo theo again really appreciate uh, everything you're bringing to the table here yeah theo, uh, thank you 
really, really rich. And Ryan, you know, another one in the can. Yeah. You know, I, I appeal to your friends, send it out there, uh, share this with your friends. I think that there's a lot to be gained here. Uh, a, a couple episodes back, uh, John gave me a challenge to like, uh, find a men's group. I think I found my men's group. Maybe this will grow a little bit, but gosh, it is so cool to like, to talk about this stuff because, and, and not have to go back and forth uh, on text or, or, or get all pissed off. And then you're dealing with rando crazy people on Twitter who are, are just calling you whatever, you know, it's, it's good to have a good discussion about this. I, you know, because it, it does impact our future and we have a generation to raise and we want to make sure that we do it right this time. Can and I just say before, just because you guys thank, keep thanking me for being here and what I contribute, I honestly feel that you, you know, you're incredibly gracious hosts. Um, you educate me a lot and it's, it's just an absolute privilege to be able to just converse with you guys about these subjects. It's just a real thank you for creating this, this platform. I do hope the audience is enjoying it and I was going to suggest maybe if they can send comments and questions, you could even in, we could incorporate that into the next Comments would be great. That would be quite cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, look, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. And uh, join us again. Uh, look for us also on uh, YouTube and we're on all the other uh, platforms. All right. See you next time.